Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello. Welcome back. I'm Andy Behrens, joined as usual by Scott Pianowski. And welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planters satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Uh, Do you know what satisfies me right now, Scott? Do you? Uh, We are about to get the Chicago Bears in primetime again for what I believe is uh, their 95th, maybe 96th consecutive game uh, on an island in primetime. I'm fired up about it. Yeah, you know, after I saw the Lions lay that gigantic egg in the Carolina game, 20 to nothing, my first thought was like, wait a minute. Are the Bears and Lions playing on Thanksgiving? This is a, this just smells like a Bears Lions game because they play a lot on Thanksgiving. So when I saw it was actually you know Deshaun Watson coming to the trial. Oh, good, you know we like Deshaun Watson. We like his receivers. Just you know they can pace the Lions and everybody can be happy. But no, we we don't dodge the Bears. In fact, if if the Bears took like five bye weeks, I don't think anybody would mind. I mean, who would you miss? Right, you miss Allen Robinson. I could live without. Um, Jimmy Graham, I, I could live without uh, their other receivers are open. Nobody can hit them. Nobody's going to miss Nick Foles. He's he's a heck of a guy. But yeah, the, the Bears can pretty much take the rest of the season off. They're about as unwatchable as it gets right now. Other than the Jets, they're basically the NFC's answer to the Jets right now. They, <laughs> the Bears, by the way, would be would be cruising in the NFC East, uh, where I am pleased to say everybody now has three wins. That's pretty exciting too. I love that division, you know. Uh, but by the way, we won't have a, a handicapping pod this week. But I'll, I'll shamelessly, as much as I hate victory laps, and this isn't even a victory lap, but uh, Frank Schwab and I did the show last week, and we told people to bet on Patrick Mahomes uh, as MVP, and those odds have only, you know, collapsed since he had his MVP moment against the Raiders on, on Sunday night. And we said to bet on anybody in the NFC East not named Eagles. We, you know, we didn't care <laughs> if it was WFT. We didn't care if it was Giants. We didn't care if it was, it was Dallas. And, of course, you know, two of those teams won. The Giants gained ground just by staying at home. And Philadelphia's got a really difficult schedule. And a quarterback right now can't get out of his own way. I don't think the Eagles are winning that division. So, so uh, Frank bets Patrick Mahomes to win MVP and then takes to Twitter to try to shape the argument. Is that what's happening there? That's what I, that's what I think I saw today. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be in the 30 for 30 when, when people wonder, you know, the, the incongruity inc- <laughs> between Mahomes' MVP wins and where the betting market went. People are going to be oh, like, like election, yeah, you know. Aaron Rodgers had a pretty good year. I don't know. Russell Wilson was okay. Are we sure this should have been a unanimous? Hmm, I don't know. Well, this right here, as everyone knows, this is the Pickups Podcast. This is where we talk about who you're setting waiver claims for. Uh, heading into week 12, ho- holy crap, it's week 12. Um, the playoffs are on the horizon. 
Before we get into some of these uh, some of these names this week, Scott, I want to have just a just a quick conversation about um, waiver priorities, roster construction, and how you view transactions as we head into the fantasy playoffs. So, like for me, I always think roster depth, and I've written about this before, is just a thing that uh, becomes far less important as we get this deep into the season, right? Like especially especially in 2020, especially in a, a COVID season of all years, um, roster depth is really important to start the year. I, I wanted deep benches. I wanted lots of options. Um, now I, we're getting closer and closer to me just wanting to know who my starting roster is going to be in weeks 15 and 16. And I've tried to trade my way into that position where I'm kind of top heavy, right? Like this is when I start thinking more about getting those understudy running backs, um, just getting some of the backups onto my, onto my roster guys that like, if an opportunity presents itself, they're going to pop, but I don't, I don't need to have a zillion different options that I'm, that I'm sweating at this time of year. I I wonder like how you approach the final weeks like this. Yeah. You're, you're spot on there. Remember, we're just about done with bye weeks. Every team plays in week 12, and then Carolina and Tampa Bay clean up the buys in week 13. So 30 of your 32 NFL teams are not going to miss another game, assuming there's there's no health outbreak or anything, which, of course, we know is a possibility in 2020. But so the, the idea that I need to hold on to wide receiver 49 because I'm going to need them, yes. I'm, I'm thin at wide receiver, that's out the window now. That doesn't exist anymore. And also... This particular week with Thanksgiving games, we, we're going to set our lineup in segments, right? You may have some stuff going Thursday, and then you may have some stuff early window Sunday, late window Sunday. That will enable you to probably have more information come Sunday about, oh, am I behind? Am I ahead? Maybe you'll be cutting some guys you didn't play on Thursday. You're, to make a long story short, the, the whole idea of depth is out the window now. You're trying to roll out your best starting team. And the shape of your bench, you will think of backing up guys you you maybe wouldn't have backed up in the past if there's a reliable guy who's who's not starting right now. This is also, I would never do this in September. This is when I will carry two defenses. This is when, you know. Oh, this is such a good point. Yeah. You know, um, I looked ahead when the Rams had their bye week. I looked ahead and said, oh, wow, they have some really good juicy matchups. People couldn't hold the Rams during a bye week. But now when people have those the bye weeks are gone. Now they're looking to add defenses. Now you want to look and say, okay, who are the Jets playing in the fantasy playoffs? Who are now the Bengals playing with, you know, Joe Burrow's out. That offense could easily torpedo. We might not see Joe Mixon again this season. Certainly won't be for a while. So who's playing the Bengals? I think it's a great time to stock up on a couple of defenses, even if you don't need them per se. Maybe you have a bye. You're not going to play in week 14, but you keep them off an opponent's roster for week 15 or something like that. So, um, Definitely the priorities change. And, and my one of my strongest takeaways is don't be ashamed to do it. It feels like a, a novice move or a lemming move to have multiple defenses. This is multiple defense season. I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, and it is kind of a new move to start the season, right? But I can tell you who the Jets are playing in weeks 15 and 16 because I have rostered both defenses in like three different leagues. It's the Browns and it's the Rams. And I'm sitting on them now. And I just added the Browns in a handful of leagues coming into this week. And I, like, I don't know that that's going to be the perfect play. But both of them are pretty good defenses. They're they're available in less than 50% of Yahoo leagues, but they're not like universally rostered right now. Uh, both of them are teams that you can go out and get, and they each have matchups with the Jets late in the year. It's hard to imagine that those aren't going to be friendly And spots. look at how the how the Browns just made Carson Wentz's life miserable. Yep. And I guess the Browns have signed, you know, uh, we're at a time in sports where we see all the different sponsorships. 
I guess the Browns have signed kind of, some kind of weather sponsorship where they're going to play every game <laughs> in, in horrible weather. And so you see a lot of low scoring. You see a lot of difficulty passing. They have a good pass rush. Um, I think they had five sacks of Wentz. Wentz threw a couple of interceptions, and it felt like there were like three or four near interceptions. They, they lost one interception on an overturn. So you throw in nasty weather, and the Browns are going to be ahead in a lot of these games. They'll be playing with that leverage. The, the pass rush can just pin its ears back in the fourth quarter, which those guys love to do. You know, a couple of my games I'm going to win this week because the Browns put up 20 fantasy points in a standard yep. Yahoo league. So I, those guys are already in my good graces, and I'm excited about that schedule you mentioned to come. I honestly had no idea that Lake Erie had like a monsoon season. This has gone on for a month now. Like, I feel like we still don't know. Um, like, we're a month out, and I feel like we still don't know what this Browns receiving hierarchy looks like without El Beckham because they have not yet played a normal game. Everything is in a windstorm or a monsoon. It's been absolutely bizarre. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, um, who I was considering oh, for my cut piece yeah. later on in the show, but maybe I'll just say it now. He has one touchdown pass this year. He has zero <laughs> touchdown receptions. Unfortunately, Jarvis, no, you can't do the Andy Dalton. You can't throw a pass to yourself. Um, you know, I, I guess uh, what Marcus Mariota did that in a playoff game famously, he threw a touchdown pass to himself. I think Brad Johnson might have done it once. But, yeah, the, the Browns can't throw the ball. You can't. I've tried to make Austin Hooper a thing. Hasn't worked out. I've tried to make Rashard Higgins a thing. He played okay on Sunday, but there's no touchdown equity here. They, they just steamroll over teams. They have two great running backs. I mean, Chubb is terrific. Yeah. And even though Hunt didn't have a good game Sunday, but his touchdown was one of the prettiest runs you'll see all season. So I think they know where their bread is buttered. It's a defense that they like. It's an offensive line that they like. It's a backfield they like. And it's bad weather that they like. The Cleveland <laughs> Browns. You're Cleveland Browns, Andy. Totally true. Uh, bad weather might be the MVP of that team to this point. Uh, let's whip through some of the major injuries coming out of week 11 before we get into the pickups, which we'll do shortly. Um, in fact, let's let's pause actually on the biggest injury that we saw in week 11. And that was uh, that was Joe Burrow. Um, and, and that's just that's just a huge disappointment. If you're a football fan, it was a horrible knee injury. It's a, a from what we know as we speak. It's an ACL. It's an MCL. And there's some other structural damage in there. I'm glad the network didn't show it repeatedly. Um, that was most welcome. It was obviously an ugly hit. Um, you, you just hope for the kid that he can be back by uh, by the start of next season, by the start of 2021. I'm not sure if that's the case. I like not a medical professional, merely a fantasy expert. Sounds like if you're tearing a bunch of different CLs, that's that's pretty bad. But uh, we hope he can be ready for 2021 because he has made this season and then last year collegiately like it takes a lot to get me to watch college football closely that is not um an iowa hawkeye game right like um but i but i did it with lsu last year they were they were such a blast and so he's he's just made these last two years really fun he's obviously going to be a great pro i mean i'm talking about him like he's like he's no longer with us or something and that's not the case he's probably going to have an 18-year career he's great he's awesome um he was probably going to break andrew luck's rookie passing yardage record this year which was going to be fun now that responsibility falls to justin herbert and he is uh he is ahead of pace to do it i think he actually just needs to average about 280 passing yards per game to do it um let's Let's talk a little bit, just briefly, about what this Cincinnati mess looks like without Joe Burrow, because he was elevating a lot of stuff. Like, it's not, it's not a great offensive line. He, he was playing beyond what we would expect from a rookie quarterback, obviously. Um, the guy replacing him, Ryan Finley, uh, had more yardage lost to sacks this week than he gained as a passer. Um, it was ugly. He, w- I mean, it hasn't been a clinic with Finley 
at all. Uh, we have five games of him in the NFL, and he's completing 45% of his throws. He's obviously turnover prone. There's a little running juice to his game, but he is, I mean, he's just not even close to being one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, so that's a concern for me. Like how far, I haven't ranked yet. I'm probably going to rank tonight, tomorrow morning. What are we doing with T Higgins? What are we doing with Tyler Boyd? What are we doing with elements of, uh, this pass offense and, and this offense generally? Well, the first thing I did today was pick up the Giants defense and it, it yep. feels dirty doing it because I know. You, know, I know. you don't want to, you don't want to benefit from, I, I loved Joe Burrow at LSU. I loved his rookie season. I believed in it. Uh, I predicted before the year that he would have, the best rookie quarterback season in fantasy history, in, in part because you know it's in the greatest era to throw the ball. It's so easy to move the ball offensively. And he was having a good season. I mean, I think Herbert has been in the pilot's chair for rookie of the year for a while, but yeah. no slight to, to Burrow. They've surrounded him with a horrible offensive line. He hasn't really had Joe Mixon all season. They've tried to make something happen with A.J. Green, who coincidentally had a touchdown this past week, but he's had pretty much a washout year. And I think Burrow's acquitted himself quite well. He's faced the, the bullets. He stood up very poised, despite the fact that he's gotten hit so much every week. And I think we're all afraid that he would wind up getting hurt by one of two things, either just a collection of attrition he would deal with over four months would get him, or there'd be a hit like there was on Sunday. So this, this almost had an ev- inevitable feeling to it. I hate to say that, but just the way the Bengals were structured, I, I hope they can build an offensive line by the time Burrow comes back, which may yeah. not be week one. 2021, I'm certainly not a doctor. So I, I did pick up the Giants. Uh, Miami, Dallas, and Pittsburgh are the defenses after that. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh would be owned in any league, but maybe Miami and Dallas. Man, weird to say something nice about the Dallas defense, but here we are. As far as PBI, a P&L backup index, I'm thinking <laughs> we're going down to like 50 to 60%. I'm, I'm a yeah. big Tyler Boyd fan. He becomes a fringe starter to me. I don't think he's an automatic starter anymore. You, you may have a good enough collection of three receivers that Boyd doesn't play for you. Higgins, who I liked about maybe five or six slots below Boyd, same thing. Gio Bernard comes from somebody who I would proactively start to now he's a reactive start. I'd have to not like my other options to play him. I think Cincinnati's going to have trouble scoring more than 10 or 13 points the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, and I, I, it's hugely disappointing for T. Higgins, who was one of my favorite prospects coming into the draft. Um, that That's a kid who I had as a fringy wide receiver one coming into week 11, who now goes from that status to being not un, not unplayable, but but certainly in that Tyler Boyd conversation where like, hey, I can easily imagine having a couple, maybe three better options on a roster at any one time. So uh, really unfortunate situation with uh, with Joe Burrow. And obviously we we hope for the best in his recovery. Other injuries coming out of week 11. Julio Jones uh, got another hamstring, um, wa- tried to come back to the field, did briefly, then exited again. That doesn't look great. Uh, we'll, we'll see about his status in week 12. It doesn't seem promising as of this moment. Juju Smith-Schuster has some sort of toe or foot issue that stemmed from actually stepping on a penalty flag. I've never seen it. Um, I, obviously, we hope he gets better. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are great uh, w- without regard to whether Juju's on the field or not. Uh, Adam Thielen on the on the COVID list. We learned that just before we started uh, started recording this pod. Rex Burkhead, an ugly knee injury, an ACL. Hopefully, it's not more than that. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins also placed on the COVID list. Um, J.K. Dobbins had just surged to the top of that backfield. Took all year to do it. Dobbins uh, out, out-produced, out-touched, out-snapped. 
everybody in that backfield in week 11, and now he's on the COVID list, and it's basically the Gus Edwards show. Um, Gus Edwards, a player we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, what else? LaMichael P. Ryan may have an ankle or a knee. Uh, Frank Gore was running ahead of him anyway. Greg Olson, a plantar fascia injury, likely to miss the rest of the season. We think Randall Cobb uh, limped away with a with a with what sounds like a pretty significant uh, toe injury. Kenny Stills was hurt in that game as well. So plenty of injuries coming out of Week 11. I want to start at the quarterback spot because, obviously, Burrow, the biggest injury of the week. And we have some fun storylines here. So I'm just going to throw out a bunch of names like I do, and I'm going to let you sort them out. Uh, these are who I think are probably the primary ads at the position and got to start with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was... Super fun. Uh, the Saints offense did not look like a standard issue Drew Brees Saints offense, right? Uh, all of the all of the pass attempts went to Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Basically, there was very little for anybody else. Alvin Kamara saw one target, didn't catch it, played basically half the game. He's also dealing with a foot injury, playing through it. That's a concern. Um, but Taysom, just as a standalone, couple of rushing touchdowns, did enough as a passer to make you feel like it's a real threat. Um, it was fun. It was a fun watch. Derek Carr coming off just a, just a beautiful game against Kansas City. I mean, you have to be better than perfect uh, in order to actually beat the Chiefs, and he was, he was damn near close to it. Like, his incompletions were better than most of the Bears' completions that I've seen this season. Um, so Derek Carr coming off a great game, and he's traveling to Atlanta this week. That's a stellar matchup. They give up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. Andy Dalton finally had a pretty good game. He was about six weeks later than uh, we, we thought he would, delivering a good line, but three touchdown passes against Minnesota. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he'll be without Adam Thielen, presumably, um, but he's got a couple of great matchups coming up against Carolina and Jacksonville. And then I'll throw out Daniel Jones as well, who has a couple of friendly matchups coming up with Cincinnati and Seattle. How do you sort that, that uh, squad? They're all out there in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. I think it's a strong group. Uh, if you play and start one quarterback leagues, you're going to have a lot of options, especially you presumably might have had Burrow and need to replace him. I got to start with Hill, and yeah. I'll just be open about this. I I was kind of where a lot of fantasy Twitter was on Hill. I, I thought he was a distraction to the offense. I thought he was Sean Payton showing his hubris and his vanity at times, trying to find packages for Taysom Hill when they already had a, a walk-in Hall of Famer and Drew Brees still playing at a fairly high level. And there was Hill making a start. I know the Falcons have a poor defense, so that has to be factored into this. But I thought Hill played great. I thought Hill was excellent. And it frustrates me. There, there's been some some efforts. He had he kind of threw a, a medicine ball to Sanders on a long pass. And there's one other pass that Hill made, a short pass to the flat, that he dramatically underthrew. I think he probably lost the grip on the ball and just kind of like threw it right into the turf. And some analysts have been like, oh, you know, Taysom Hill, ha, ha, ha. You know, he was 18 of 23 yeah. passing. And that includes a Michael Thomas drop. And that's on top of the fact that not only did he run for two touchdowns, look at the way he ran for – look at the two rushing touchdowns, okay? The first one was fourth and goal. They took Kamara off the field. They put Hill in an empty backfield shotgun and ran power over right tackle. And it was, it looked like Cam Newton. It looked like unstoppable. Right. Like, even if you knew the play, what the heck are you going to do about this? There's your first touchdown. That's a play they will run back over and over again when they need short yardage. He was often running on third and fourth down. And that play will get running again. Even when Brees comes back, I don't know why they'd go away from that because teams don't have a good defense for it. That's why we've seen so many rushing touchdowns from quarterbacks in the last few years. You know, Newton, Newton I'm not even sure Cam Newton's that great anymore. He's on his way to scoring like 15 touchdowns on the ground. Yep. The second Hill touchdown, play breaks down. He runs against his body. 
and uh, around the the left end and scores a rushing touch and just an athletic play. You have to be a great athlete a, a to make run. that play. Yep. These things aren't going to go away. If he all he needs to do, if he's going to be a proactive runner, you can say his chances of scoring a touchdown on the ground are better than 50-50 every week. He probably needs to give you 200 passing yards or 180 passing yards. It's, it's the Tim Tebow principle. It's the Rich Rebar, you know, Kanabi cheat code. Rushing <laughs> statistics for a quarterback are incredibly unfair. And I think even the most ardent Hill critic would have to admit that he looked pretty good throwing the ball. And did you notice, by the way, a lot of intermediate and deep drops. The Drew Brees offense the last few years has been, you know, three-step drop balls out, three-step drop balls out. They took more deep and intermediate shots with their presumably backup quarterback this week. So Peyton, I think, feels like the offense has opened up. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not that Thomas got going. Maybe his ankle has just finally healed up and that you know was a confluence of events. But hey, maybe he's got something going with Hill right now. We finally can welcome Michael Thomas into this season. So I, I feel embarrassed. I know we spent the last week when we talked about what Winston would do. And of course, you know, he didn't even didn't play. He was just basically a cheerleader. And and they said before the game he wasn't even gonna have any packages and he didn't. He didn't get any snaps. But I wish I had some Hill. Maybe I'll have to DFS him just to, to handle my FOMO. He's at the top of this <laughs> list. The thing with Cousins is if we knew Thielen's status was solidified to play, yeah. Kirk Cousins, you'll win a lot of bar bets with this one. He leads the league in YPA and by a fair amount. Yeah. And I think that speaks to how good Justin Jefferson has been. You talked about watching LSU last year. I feel silly that Justin Jefferson put up video game numbers and I let, oh, well, it's co- it's a COVID season and he's a rookie. And, you know, how much experience does he have running the types of routes they might want him to run? I talked myself out of Jefferson when I should have been talking myself into Jefferson. I feel so stupid. He he is such an electric player. And, and Thielen, of course, is just dynamic as well. That, that contorting touchdown catch he had on Sunday. For me, for Cousins to be really playable, I need both those guys in the field. I'm just worried if they only have one receiver, they become too easy to defend. I got to take a loss on Derek Carr, too. I thought the John Gruden hire was a mistake. I thought he was a rotary phone in a cell phone world. <laughs> they went toe-to-toe, punch-to-punch with, with the Chiefs, and Derek Carr did nothing wrong. In fact, if his receivers made a couple of catches, maybe they win that game. He looks great. Atlanta, as you said, a dynamite matchup. So I would go Hill first. Uh, Cousins, if we knew we'd have both receivers, you may not know that by the time you're making your offers. So I could go with Carr or Cousins in that next slot. And I don't even think uh, Jones or Dalton are bad fallbacks. Jones has the rushing juice. He played two games without a turnover before that bye. I like the, the I think the Dolphins are this year's version of, I'm sorry, the, the Giants are this year's version of last year's Dolphins where the culture has changed. They're kind of rallying in the middle of the season. They could smell a possible playoff berth on the football siders. Playoff odds are actually listed as the favorite in that division. Get over to bet MGM while you can still get them at plus 300. I think it's a great bet. And Jones, as we know, will actively run. And Dalton, whatever you think of him, looked like a professional quarterback against Minnesota. And they've got three receivers we like. Zeke looked the best he's looked. A long run from Tony Pollard. They looked like a real football team. And so I would think that would carry over even with Washington being a pretty tough matchup. Yeah, obviously the plus with Andy Dalton is that, you know, whatever you think of him, he's the guy thrown to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb made like a superhero level catch that I can't even begin to describe. Um, So uh, like Andy Dalton is just going to continue to have value as long as he's healthy. Um, I I, I think I have them in fundamentally the same way. I'd put them Hill, Carr. Um, I like what you mentioned about Kirk Cousins actually leading the league in YPA right now. A lot of that is simply the fact that, like, he's not throwing it very often. I mean, it's pretty rare for Kirk Cousins to even put the ball in the air 30 times in any game. But when he throws it, 
it it has been downfield. Um, he is very near. Uh, if he's not at the top of the league in intended air yards per target, he's very close, right around ten air yards per target, which is silly. Uh, for comparison's sake, Drew Brees is is has been last by a lot with like five point eight. Um, so Cousins is pushing it downfield. He's got great receivers. I agree with you. It comes down to Thielen's availability, but I would have Hill one. Derek Carr, too. We should probably mention the recovery timeline on Drew Brees. Um, his injury, basically every time I check Twitter, th- there's like two or three more broken ribs from Drew Brees. It just gets worse and worse, right? It's a it's a punctured lung. I think, are we up to 11 rib fractures? Um, like, I don't, I don't know if people out there have, have ever broken a rib, but like a single broken rib is terrible. You never know when it's going to hurt. Like, it, it it sucks. It really sucks. I can't even imagine. Like the description of this injury is that he basically had his chest caved in. It sounds awful. Um, and they're talking about him returning in week 15. We'll see if that happens. Um, that's obviously that's, a- never, that's not happening. I, I, if right? you yeah, that's how Breeze, I feel. If you roster Breeze and you're in a league that doesn't have IR spots, I would just cut him. I, and again, I take no satisfaction saying this, but I think what, what, another thing about Hill's emergence is it gives the Saints the benefit to not have to rush Breeze back into action. Yeah. If, if they had nothing working at quarterback, maybe they force him into a game a week or two early. That's not going to happen now. I'd be flabbergasted. And again, I say this with no satisfaction or joy. Drew Brees is no longer a fantasy factor for the rest of the season. Yeah, I kind of lean the same direction. And uh, additionally, with Hill's schedule, it's Denver this week, and then he gets Atlanta again. Um, and then it's Philly. So there's a bunch of friendly spots coming up for him. Um, yeah, I think he's uh, and he's 42 percent rostered right now. Uh, that guy is somebody that you clearly want to jump on. Um, OK, let's jump to the uh, let's jump to the running back position. And I got to be honest, I'm going to give you a lot of names here. I think there's I think there's one guy that people should care about, maybe two, um, but it's probably just one guy. Um And I'm going to start with Gus Edwards, right? Gus Edwards, suddenly the last man standing in Baltimore's backfield. I'm not sure how he isn't a close contact of Mark Ingram and uh, J.K. Dobbins. But as we speak, sure seems like Gus Edwards is going to be the guy who faces Pittsburgh. Uh, It's a terrible matchup, right? Pittsburgh's a great defense. Um, We normally shy away from them. But... Baltimore is the NFL's number one rushing offense. They, they, they run for about 160 yards per week. Part of that is Lamar Jackson. Part of that is the backs. Um, Gus Edwards is going to get, I don't know how many carries, 18, 20. Like, they run when they're behind. They just run. Like, the negative game script doesn't seem to affect them. They still run the ball. So Gus Edwards, to me, probably the priority add at the running back position. Other names for you. James White um, reemerged a bit, saw nine targets, most of those following Rex Burkhead's knee injury. Uh, He's got Arizona up next. I would feel better about James White generally when I'm going to get negative game script. That is probably going to happen against Arizona. Obviously, Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle later on in the season, probably going to be the early down guys. James White, again, in that familiar role. Um, Beyond that, I don't know. Frank Gore, he saw 17 touches. Cordero Patterson, now eligible at wide receiver running back based on the usage in the Monday night game. Um, there's there's really no, like, hopefully there's no position eligibility controversy here. I mean, Cordero Patterson was was essentially the direct replacement for David Montgomery. Um, Carrion Johnson is available in, I don't know, 80%, 70% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, if DeAndre Swift can't go on Thanksgiving, he'll see a few touches. Carlos Hyde, but he has almost no value if Chris Carson returns. Um, We are recording this before the Monday night game, but I will say that Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown um, are now part of a, at least seemingly coming out of week 10, were part of a three-headed committee for the Rams. Akers actually saw the most touches in that backfield. Malcolm Brown, 
um, I believe, played the most snaps in that backfield, even though Daryl Henderson has really done nothing wrong. Um, it was a three-man committee heading into week 11. Um, it is possible. Uh, I, I see I see you added this name to the notes. Um, Latavius Murray, I believe, is rostered in, in well over 50% of leagues, but he is still out there in a few. And if he is, um, he's all of a sudden, you know, basically a, a, a 50% snap share guy while Alvin Kamara is uh, is dinged. Kamara, again, playing through a foot injury. So Latavius Murray saw more snaps than perhaps and more touches than perhaps he normally would. I don't know. How do you sort this field? Is it Gus at the top for you as well? It is Gus. And, and I'll, I'll just knock off really quickly. The, the two guys who are slightly over 50% rostered, who I want to make sure do not let these guys be free agents. I saw Wayne Gallman dropped in a couple mm, of leagues because yeah. the Giants didn't play last week. I actually lost the bidding war to get his services. I, I put in all the fab I have left. Somebody could trump me. He's about 55% rostered. So he, he theoretically doesn't make this discussion. Just please make sure nobody dropped Gallman during his bye week. He had touchdowns in four straight games. And this Giants team is kind of coming together and he's been their featured back. I think great, he'll be great spot the coming up against season. Cincinnati too. Sure. And, and Murray, of course, 59% owned uh, rostered. I should say, we don't know Kamara's foot status. It sure seemed Kamara played his lowest snap percentage of the year in that Atlanta game. And part of that was they, they took control of the game, but when they only throw one pass to Kamara, that to me is them speaking about how they feel about his foot. Now I know that Taysom Hill isn't the type of quarterback to check down. The problem with running quarterbacks is a lot of times they look to run and not dump off to a running back. So maybe Kamara just isn't going to be the same receiving weapon, but Murray's a good player. That's a good offense. So we talked about the need for understudy backs at this time of the year. Just make sure those two guys aren't floating around. You can play Gallman right now. Murray would be more of an insurance or a down the road guy. I'll sign off on Edwards. Pittsburgh is going to be nasty on Thursday. But here's the thing. If there are any physical complications or health complications in this backfield going forward, the schedule is a dream after the Pittsburgh game. They they play Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, the Giants. And and then if you play week 17, which you probably don't, they play Cincinnati. I mean, that's, that's, that's the, the John Thompson before the Big East schedule starts <laughs> schedule. You know, I, that is get me St. Leo, get, get me Liberty or get me death. Uh, so, and Edwards will probably get you something on Thursday through volume. It, it may be like a, a 15 carry 48 yard game, but probably goal line opportunities. I don't think they want Lamar Jackson to run as much as he was last year. And I, I just can't see how Edwards, anytime you can say to about a back, I know he's getting double digit touches this week, or it's very likely that just makes them fantasy viable. I, I know Baltimore's offense has been frustrating to watch and I'm not really looking forward to that rock fight against Pittsburgh on Thursday night, but he's got a backfield kind of to himself right now. So he stands alone at the top of this list. And, and then James White would be the other guy who interests me. The problem is that, Cam Newton is still the goal line back in New England. They've gotten yeah. something going with Harris in recent weeks. He finally got a touchdown on Sunday. Maybe Sony Michelle is ready to, to play in a game. He didn't play this past week, but he has come off IR. So the Patriots are always a crowded offense. And anytime you have the quarterback being the goal line back, it makes things difficult. But White, man, they love, they have a great screen game with the Patriots. They don't have great talent at receiver, although they've had a couple of guys pop in this segment the last few weeks, and we'll, we'll talk about them later. But they love to throw to their backs. And with Burkhead out, White, who's already been one of a receiver they've trusted for years, I, I always say he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl win over Atlanta. I mean, he could have three to six catches in any game. Yeah. You know? So um, I'm fine with that. You said you put Frank Gore in our notes and you put gross in parentheses. <laughs> I, I get it. We love Frank Gore. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, the guy yes. has managed to 
keep his body healthy and stay in the NFL battles for as long as he has. That in and of itself is amazing. After, by the but, way, a college career and like high school career in which he'd injured hurt. everything, absolutely everything, like every piece of connective well, tissue on Frank Gore had been injured. Yeah, like shoulders, two, two knees. knee blots, right? Yeah. So this guy, if, if he ended his NFL career at 24 or 25 and said, I can't do this, we all would have been like, oh, I get it. You yeah. know, what What could Frank Gore have been? Well, we saw it. He's a Hall of Famer. Looking at double-digit touches, you know, the Jets, they put up 20-plus points in two straight weeks. I mean, at least maybe they've upgraded from being, oh, my God, I can't even look at them, to, oh, you know, they've made a couple of plays downfield. The offense looks a little bit better. I don't think they want to go winless. So if double-digit touches will make you happy, then go there. And then you're on your own with the Rams game. We have to tape this before Monday night. So, you know, try to decipher. It's really hard. You know, Sean, um, Sean McVay would give you his ATM password before he'd give you his backfield plans but <laughs> maybe you could decipher something by what happens with the rams and buccaneers or you never know maybe somebody fumbles and gets thrown to the bottom of the pile or, or there could be an injury so you, you'll have to be on your own with that i the rule of two and three applies with the rams backfield right now where when you see three guys you just can't trust it and if you could eliminate one of them for any different reason if you could reduce it down the two then we can start those guys maybe proactively yeah, um, I, I think you and I are on the same page here. For me, this is this is Gus Edwards, and then everybody else is a is a lesser priority. Gus is the one that I'm gonna that I'm gonna kind of push the chips in on. Um, I, my the receivers that I've listed on this document for you, it's like a, it's like a best of list. It's like it's like I'm playing the hits from earlier from earlier podcasts, right? Like these are just this is a whole bunch of guys that haven't quite hit. Some of them are nowhere near 50 percent rostered in Yahoo leagues, and I'm I'm pissed about Tim Patrick. I feel that Tim Patrick should mm. be there. I feel like he should have elevated from um, being eligible for this show and for the pickups column long ago, but he hasn't. He just put up 119 yards against Miami. It is his third hundred yard performance. He has done it with a rogues gallery of quarterbacks this year. He is, if he's not the number one receiver for Denver, he's 1A. He's really good. He's 6'4". He's a red zone target. He separates easily. I don't get why he's still only rostered about 20% of Yahoo leagues, but he is, so he's eligible for this. So I got to keep saying his name podcast after podcast. Um, Michael Pittman, not yet at uh, the 50% rostered threshold. He had a long touchdown against Green Bay. I know it's Indianapolis and it's a bit of a spin the wheel situation. He only, he, I believe he only saw three targets in that game, but he caught them all. Looked great. 18 targets in his last three. I think those two and Nelson Aguilar are probably in uh, a tier of their own among the, among the pickups. Uh, again, Aguilar, because he gets Atlanta this week, he's coming off a really nice game against Kansas City that could have been better. Uh, had a couple of balls that probably aren't drops, but they sure weren't catches. Um, but there's always a little bit of that to his game. Anyway, he gets Atlanta. They give up 300 passing yards per game and the most fantasy points um, to quarterbacks. And they're right up there to receivers as well. Um, Russell Gage uh, made an appearance, saw 12 targets against New Orleans. And we have the Julio hamstring injury to worry about. So Russell Gage could be a PPR play. Jalen Rager. Um, he's got Seattle coming up on Monday Night Football, and he is seeing consistent targets right now. Sterling Shepard off his bye. If we like Daniel Jones, it stands to reason that we might like Sterling Shepard a little bit. Again, he's got Seattle coming up in two weeks. And then uh, we have to take note of Alan Lazard. He he returned somewhat quietly. Uh, it was only, I believe, four targets, really quiet fantasy day. But let's let's remember he had a 146-yard game before his injury. He's now back. MVS is not exactly a receiving clinic week in and week out. So I think there's a potential role for Lazard. Um, who am I missing here? Yeah, I also wonder if MVS might be in the doghouse with the fumble late in that game. Um, 
it's interesting because the running back fumbles and you know, teams want to throw the guy off the team practically. Yeah. Usually fumbles are more reasonably treated at other positions. And I, I hope they, yeah, MVS has been so good the previous two games that I, I hope they're reasonable about that. And some of the fan reaction has just been ugly. It's terrible. Just, you hate to Absolutely see that. terrible. I mean, yeah. The, the guy made a mistake. I mean, you know, you don't, don't be a bad human Ma- being. And made a mistake in football. week 11, right? Like he didn't, this is, this is whatever. There's no, there's never a, an okay time to threaten a player, but my God, a, re- a regular season game, a fumble, like it's sports. It happens. Sure. Um, you know, Tim Patrick's not getting picked up. I, I think that's just the, the listeners are rebelling against your expertise. They're saying they don't trust you. <laughs> and that, that's a statement it's against fair. you more than it's it fair. is against Drew Locke or John Elway or, you know, any, anything to do with the Broncos. I, Patrick did get that, that garbage throw at the end of the game where they wanted to run the clock Oh, out, hell yeah, he did. And they just, like 60 they yards. They downfield and Patrick yards. said, hey, my fantasy owners need me. I'm going to go get that ball. And you do it for the manager. So, uh, yeah, Patrick looks great. Pittman. I mean, the, the skill is there. I, I hope that they can find more targets for him because he really should be more than a three-targeted player the way he's producing. But he looks dynamite. I'm daring Nelson Aguilar to have the most touchdowns anybody's ever scored without being, like, really fantasy used. I mean, he's <laughs> he's on waiver wires every week, and, and people probably played him, like, the wrong – you play him the wrong week, you get seven yards. He drops some passes. You will watch a Raider game and forget he's on the team for quarters at a time. That's an interesting question. I feel like he's challenging maybe Kenny Stills. Maybe there was a Marvin Jones in Cincinnati year. Like, oh, I got to think about most touchdowns without ever being actually started in fantasy leagues. That's really good. Yeah, he's really trying for that. The thing, I mean, I like Aguilar. The thing is, he's going to get five targets. Now, a couple of them are going to be, they use him as a downfield threat. He has that past first round pedigree. As I said, I, I think Carr and, and Gruden have just turned out much better than I expected. So if you – he might hit on a shot play. You know, Aguilar could easily have three for 80 and a touchdown, but he could also have zero for zero. And you just have to reconcile that. At least he's in a couple of uh, a couple of good matchups coming, you know, the, the Chiefs on the way. So you think something good will happen there. The problem with me with Russell Gage is that as, although there's all sorts of talent on the Falcons that we like, when they take Julio off the field, it's the TV goes to all snow. Yeah. It just, it, the, the, it's totally, they go haywire. They, it's like these 11 people have never met before. I, <laughs> I needed some Matt Ryan garbage time. They were down by multiple touchdowns. And I'm thinking, okay, great, Matt. You, that, you're that's good a lot. At this. You know what to weeks, do. Yeah. That's usually Matt, the Matt Ryan. Okay, we'll hurry up and we'll, we'll have the most urgency we've ever had to have an 80 yard touchdown that only helps the fantasy public. I was ready for it. I was, I was glued in. I was blocking out the other games. I, you know, I was ready for Matt Ryan garbage time. And all it was was Saints defense garbage time where they piled up another sack after another sack after another sack. When you take Julio off this offense, man, things get ugly quick. So I, I think Gage could easily give you five for 62 maybe or six for 67 is the high end of his range he's not going to score a touchdown and i'm afraid that if his the the way he's getting on the field is no julio i'm afraid that just takes the offense down significantly so that just makes me nervous if you're looking deep i know this is you, you talked about gross with frank gore a new york jet wide receiver they've been targeting mims a lot and brashard perriman yeah. Spent time with Flacco in Baltimore. I don't, I don't know if they're ever going to go back to Darnold this year or not, but Perriman's got three touchdowns in the last two weeks, and they've been legitimate NFL grown man touchdowns. I, I this Another guy with a former first-round pick pedigree. He has the, the long-time be- relationship with Flacco, right, from the, from the Baltimore mm-hmm. days, yeah. And also, he was a fantasy hero for us last year when all the Tampa Bay receivers got hurt, and then Perryman got 
got on the James Winston train late in the season before I think Perriman might've gotten hurt himself, but he had a couple of games. I think one of them was against Detroit where he just smashed. So if you're listening and you're like, Oh, you know, Pittman's long gone in my league. I can't pick up Patrick. I've, I've had him for seven weeks, you know, maybe Brashard Perryman at 11% rostered. He could be of some interest. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. Um, you were on him last week. I actually I started him in a couple of DFS uh, lineups. Felt good about that. Got my touchdown. Started him in a couple of deep leagues. Um, seems like Flacco. I don't know how much longer we're going to get Flacco. Seems like he's he's more into the outside receivers than he is to feeding Jamison Crowder, which is you know stylistically it's more watchable. It's more fun. It has led to it has led to more points. So uh, I like that call on Mims and uh, and Perriman as well. Let's hit tight end, which is usually a minefield, but I feel like there's a couple names here that are uh, available in, again, over 50% of Yahoo leagues that are that are tolerable. Maybe this is just within the context of 2020 they're tolerable, but I feel like they're okay. Uh, for me, the number one is, is going to be Jordan Reed. He's coming off his bye. San Francisco is getting a little bit healthier, but Kittle probably going to be sidelined through the end of the season. I can't really see a need to bring him back, the urgency to bring him back. Um, Reed, uh, six targets, five catches, 62 yards against New Orleans in week 10 and made one of the best like crazy one handed catches of the year. Um, we know his talent. Uh, it's just a, an issue of staying healthy. Uh, Dalton Schultz had a touchdown, six targets on Sunday. Uh, he's got Washington up next, which is not an ideal matchup, but but hey, he's getting plenty of targets. Uh, Jimmy Graham was shut out uh, before the Bears buy, but we know that uh, he's basically the red zone passing offense. Uh, they they throw to him constantly in the end zone. Well, if they're throwing it to him, he's probably standing in the end zone. Robert Tunyon uh, made a triumphant return to the end zone against Indianapolis. And uh, your guy, Jordan Akins, had a little bit of a breakout game with 83 yards against the Patriots. And he's got Detroit coming up on Thanksgiving. And you can just do anything against that Lions defense. I'm excited about Aikens. I've been waiting, and maybe it's the endowment effect where the longer you wait for something, the more you expect <laughs> when it finally is handed to you. So I want to be careful with this. But Aikens, he didn't just get 83 yards. He he looked. If you had told me that he was like a first-round pick or something, I would have believed it. I mean, I, granted, every tight end looks great when he's catching the ball because these guys are bigger than everybody else. At one point, the Patriots actually got away with an illegal trip because Aikens was just driving them crazy, and somebody you know, leg whipped them. And, and of course, you know the Patriots being the Patriots, they got away with it. Although Houston did win the game, the, the reason why I'm going to take Aikens over Jordan Reed is a couple of things. I'm worried that Reed comes back to play the Rams. Just a, a, I, I know the Rams are, are absolute death to the outside receivers. So you think maybe they can throw down the seam? But I just think that they're going to the Niners are going to struggle to do anything through the air. I actually don't dislike Nick Mullins. If you're digging deep at quarterback, I think he could be a reasonable add. But I'm just afraid that Reed will do little against the Rams. And with his physical history, I'd, I never really want to make a multiple week commitment to Jordan Reed. So my Jordan of choice, any Jordan will do, would be Jordan Akins. <laughs> I get Reed. And, and, you know, I like Schultz. I always felt like Andy, Andy Dalton had good rapport with a lot of his tight ends over the years. Uh, him and Tyler Eifert, you know, had a really fun season that, that one year that Eifert played all year. And, you know, Dalton, I mean, Dalton went to a couple of Pro Bowls. He wasn't that yeah. bad in Cincinnati. They made the playoffs. I mean, if you look at the Cincinnati history for the last 25 years and you bought out the Andy Dalton years, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. I, You know, they bought him down a couple times with Dalton, but he's a legitimate quarterback. So Schultz would be my next guy. I'm still kind of tilted that Robert Tunyon does not pronounce his name Tanyan. I mean, there's no U in that. Agree. How do you get Tunyon, agree. Tunyon out of that? Hard agree. As far as Jimmy Graham goes, I'm just afraid that the Bears can't protect Foles. I think he's seeing ghosts right now. 
God help us if Mitch Trubisky has to play again. So the less Bears exposure you get uh, is is better for me. But uh, Aikens is my first guy. And, and then I think I would prioritize Schultz a little bit over Reed. If you believe in Reed, I get it. Uh, I'm going to skip Graham and Tunyon. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I uh, I probably have Reed at the top of the list. Um, I, I get it. You've been waiting on Jordan Aikens all season. He finally popped. Uh, you got to you got to plant the flag. Uh, so I get it. Let's get into uh, some players that we think you can launch from rosters. I'll I'll let you. I'll I'll be a gentleman. I'll let you start here, Scott. Yeah, I kind of teased it earlier with uh, Jarvis Landry. Seventy nine percent rostered in Yahoo. I have a rule. If you don't have a touchdown catch by Thanksgiving, I, I've just waited too long <laughs> on you. And the Browns have showed you what they want to do. They they want Baker to to concentrate on two things, making commercials and handing off the ball. They don't they don't want him throwing. You know, his, his, you know, his pass receiving prop this past week was like two. A friend of mine bet this. It was 204 and a half, and he landed at 204. He couldn't even go over 204 and a half for my good friend Steve. I Sorry about that, Steve. But uh I can't play these Browns receivers. I can't play Landry. I can't play Rashard Higgins, who's a player I like. I was really excited about Austin Hooper. I've, I've started to, to view him as maybe a second-tier tight end when yeah. I thought he had top 10, top 12 written all over him. I've backed off from that. I really want no part of this passing game. And if and here's the other thing with, with Landry. If you can't start – if he's not startable for you now – then go make some of those other pickups we talked about, the insurance pickups, the defense pickups, the, the the type of strategy that you do at this juncture of the season. If he's not good enough to play for you when your whole roster is being rolled out, then what's the point? Get something that makes sense looking forward. Yeah, it's a it's a really good call. And I, I, I like the uh, tying it back to what we talked about at the at the top of the pod. Um, and that's true. Like if you can't, we're probably past trade deadlines in most leagues or they're either that or they're coming up very soon. But like if you can't trade a guy and you're not willing to start a guy, he's he's a drop. Um, couple couple players that I'm that I'm launching. One, I just want to throw it out there because I saw his name in a question on Twitter and it just kind of disgusted me. Um, somebody asking me about potentially starting Alshon Jeffrey. I get it. He's a brand name. He's he's he helped us once upon a time. He was a great bear back in the day. Um, he's seen like two targets since returning. He's just he's just not a viable part of this Philly passing game. Um, it's it's the tight ends. It's it's Richard Rogers is way ahead of Alshon Jeffrey in the receiving hierarchy right now. Jalen Rager is coming on. Travis Fulgham is still there. Like you're not you're not doing anything with Alshon Jeffrey. Don't ask me about him. And uh, please feel free to drop him. Also. A, man, a, a guy hit me with uh, a list of names. He was interested in adding Gus Edwards. I'm talking to him on Twitter. And uh, the name that I picked out as the drop in favor of Gus Edwards, and I feel terrible about this, was uh, Duke Johnson. Um, du- Duke has looked like I, I used to I used to be a big believer. Right. Um, I, I was part of the I wasn't leading the brigade, but I was part of the brigade that was like, man, if only Duke Johnson could get an opportunity somewhere sometime, he'd show these guys. And he's had an opportunity the last two weeks and he's been brutally inefficient. He's not getting the pass targets that we want. He has an incredible matchup coming up against Detroit. They give up the most fantasy points to the running back position. There's no way I'm going to start Duke Johnson in that game, despite a spectacular matchup, he just looks—I don't know—a half step, two steps slow to me. Um, so, anyway, I told this gentleman to uh, to drop Duke Johnson in favor of Gus Edwards, who has a terrible matchup on Thanksgiving. But I would much rather start Gus. Um, so it just hasn't worked out for Duke. I wish it had. Yeah, that's, I mean Edwards has touchdown equity, and Johnson doesn't. And, and Watson's another quarterback who, when plays break down, he's not looking 
to drop it off to a back. He's looking to either run or to, to hit downfield. You know, maybe Fuller's broken free or, or Cooks has broken free. So I, I'm with you that I, mean, I think Jeffrey's an easy drop. I think you shouldn't have picked him up anyway and just get him out of your yeah. hair. And he'll probably just sit. And, and, and look, if you're so harmed about Jeffrey being off your team, he'll probably be there if you want to pick him up next week. Nobody else is going <laughs> to add him anyway. Or or maybe he'll go and you know mess up somebody else's team. You know, it, The Eagles have talent on offense. Alshon, Jeff, Alshon Jeffrey is not part of that talent. And, and I think it's it's – a proactive call with with Johnson because running back is so difficult that it's it's hard for us to look at a guy with some credibility for touches and feel like we can't roster him anymore. But I think yeah. given the right advice with Duke Johnson, I would do the same thing. All right, there it is. You heard it. Um, we told you who to add. We told you who to drop. Um, hopefully, everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, please continue listening to this podcast. And if you like podcasts, which presumably you do because you made it this far into uh, into this one right here, we have lots of them at Yahoo Sports for you. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL pod with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Those guys are great. It is secretly a fantasy podcast. I love it. Um, they break down Super League pretty much all the time. Check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty at SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. That is at Scott underscore Pianowski. One more time, a huge thanks to Planters, our sponsor. Huge thanks to our, our producers, Ragu and Sully. Tomorrow, you're going to get some Matt Harmon and Dalton Del Don. Who doesn't want that? Um, they're going to take over. But until then, folks, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.